Kandriva, the back post, away from Christensen. Oh, my word! Antonio Kandriva cannot stop scoring absolute wonder goals. Hello and welcome back to Say A Spotlight. This is episode 89 and we are hosts Matt and Drake here to bring you guys our first episode for the 2023-2024 season. It's so good to be back guys. Our goal of the week for the first round of Serie A was Kandreva's second goal against Roma when Brotheric crossed the ball to Kandreva who faked shot with his right and curled it in with his weaker left foot from the edge of the area. Absolutely magnificent. Yeah, we thought his first goal was great. But his second goal was actually even better. Follow us on your favorite podcast platforms and drop a rating, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Kindly, of course. Yeah, a five-star rating would really help, guys. And remember to hit that follow button on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube or your favorite social media platform. And as the last part of our begging, um, uh, if you want to be part of our Serie A Spotlight community, you can subscribe to our Patreon for $3.99 a month to be added to our WhatsApp group chat and get priority in our question segment. We also have a Fanta Culture League that will be kicking off with our patrons and perhaps you can be included in that next year. There was a minute of silence. Um, if you watched, say, uh, this um, week, you would have realized that you spent 10 minutes of your life quietly sat there wondering who's gone, who's died. Uh, it was Carlo Mazzone, um, the legendary footballer and manager. Matt, why don't you take it away? Yep, so... In case you're wondering who this guy was, he is the man who first made Totti a regular player for Roma. He is the man that made Pirlo a regista and even rejuvenated Baggio at Brescia. In case that wasn't enough, he also decided to bring Ascoli back into Serie A for the first time. He was also a player, as Jake was kind enough to mention, at 6'3", he stood as a tall physical centre-back. He played for Roma, Latina, Spal, Siena and Ascoli, where he became quite a legend. His managerial career stemmed from 1969 to 2006, where he represented Ascoli, Fiorentina, Cantanzaro, Bologna, Lecce, Pescara, Cagliari, Roma, Napoli, Perugia, Brescia and Livorno. He would be described as a manager that was in style quite similar to Ballardini, Davide Nicola and Iacchini. Yes, imagine those guys, but like times a hundred, another level, you know. He was yeah. the the king of um, survival Serie A managers and promotion Serie A managers. He was the perfect yes. hybrid. And he was even looked up to a lot by a certain Pep Guardiola while he was um, representing Brescia. There was actually one time where the curva of, of some team, I couldn't forget who the opponents Atalanta. were. Atalanta kept hurling abuse um, at Mazzone. Um, Mazzone waited until Brescia got the winner in that game and he just ran up to the curva and gave them a mouthful back. So yeah, you could see Pep Guardiola in his um, post-match interview this week um, wearing a t-shirt with a cartoon depicting that moment. Beautiful stuff. So yes, guys, Serie A is back in full swing. Over the weekend, we saw Sarri picking his nose, purely giving his team talk on the sideline of the run out of the Lara Stadium because the ACs weren't working. <laughs> Mauro Suma repeatedly screaming USA after Pulisic's <laughs> debut goal. Chalanoglu taking out the referee. A relatively unknown player celebrating a goal against Lazio with a flip leading into a golf swing. Bellotti and Decatel are scoring in the opening match of the season despite not scoring in the entirety of the previous season. Vincenzo Italiano aggressively removing a member of staff from his seat and Antonio Candreva turning into prime Roberto Baggio against Roma. What a league. 
What's we're back, baby. We're back. we're back with a bang, bro. We're fucking back. And we actually watched uh, Match Day 1 with a patron of ours, Alan. Um, him and his lovely wife, Sam, um, were actually over at our house because they were having a little vacay in Malta, seeing some of Sam's friends. Um, lovely couple, two of the two very, very great people. They're, they're actually quite fun as well. Man, we had a fucking good great. time with them. Absolutely Drank great. loads of beer, um, had a few Maltese delicacies and watched a bunch of culture. So that was super fun. Cesco was over Legend. as well. Um, he stayed Legend. over till like two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and it was fucking fun, man. Such a we played a game of FIFA. He kept reminding us... Um, how long it had been since he played, and then he beat me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he destroyed you. And I beat him for net. Nice. For those you of you put him in his place. Yes, but for all of you that are listening during your five-minute commute in Malta, it's important that I let you know exactly what happened in this match day. So here we go. To start things off, the champions of Serie B faced the champions of Serie A, and despite Frosinone taking the lead, Napoli prevailed through Victor Osimen and won the game three goals to one. Milan fielded three of their new starters, of their new players rather, against Bologna and Milan did manage to get away with an away victory, two goals to nil, spectacular performance by the Rossoneri. Inter had a good performance in beating not an easy side in Monza, two goals to nil. Juve were absolutely electrifying in the Bianconeri derby and got away with a 3-0 victory. Salernitana held Roma, two goals to two away at the Olimpico thanks to a brace by Candreva. Lecce surprised the world as they got past Napoli with the score of two goals to one, with the two goals coming towards the latter stages of the match. Sassuolo nil, Atalanta 2, CDK scoring in his first match for Atalanta. Genoa 1, Fiorentina 4, a fiery display by Fiorentina, but a very disappointing start for Genoa over there. Empoli nil, Verona 1, Verona also getting a late winner over there. And Torino nil, Cagliari nil. Let's take it away with Frosinone 1, Napoli 3, bro. Let's start off with this game. This game, of course, can be viewed as kind of a Super Cup final. No? Like, you know, you have the winner of the Champions League against the winner of the Europa League. Um, it's the same thing. Winner of Serie B against the winner of Serie A, of course. Grosso is no longer the manager of Frosinone, as discussed in our previous episodes. Eusebio Di Francesco has taken over. Madonna. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Historically, Frosinone have actually never beaten Napoli in Serie A and have conceded more goals to them than against any other team in the top flight. They've conceded 18 goals in five top flight games. Rudy Garcia maintains his unbeaten six-game record against Eusebio Di Francesco, um, while Napoli remain to have never lost an opening match against newly promoted teams with 14 wins and four draws. Let's get into the lineups. Turati was in goal for Frosinone as they lined up with their 4-3-3 formation. Marchizza, the new arrival from Sassuolo, was the left back with Simone Romagnoli and Monterisi at the back, while Oyono was the right back. Harui, also arriving from Sassuolo, was in the central midfield position alongside Mazzitelli and Gelli, while Caso was out on the left, Baez was out on the right, and Cooney was up front. Cooney, of course, is the German-Albanian youth product from Bayern Munich. Yes, let's Marvin Cooney and get it on. Yes, um, lots of Sassuolo on this team. Um, Turati was also the young Sassuolo goalkeeper who featured a few seasons ago instead of Consigli when he was out injured. I believe he's still owned by Sassuolo and is out on loan at first. Well, and take a look at the manager as well, Eusebio Di Francesco, quite a history with Sassuolo. You're right, you're absolutely right. This is basically Sassuolo. mini Sassuolo. Yes. 
Meret was in goal for Rudy Garcia's Napoli as they also lined up with a 4-3-3 formation. Di Lorenzo, the captain, was the right back while Rahmani and Jesus were the centre-back partnership with Oliveira out on the left. Newcomer Kayust, or Kayuste, I'll wait for someone to correct me on that one, was in midfield alongside Lobotka and Zielinski. Politano was out on the right, Raspadori out on the left with the formidable Victor Ozimen up front. Kayust, of course, this was his debut after joining from Rems while... Gvaratskelia was injured for this one and Anguissa did not start as he had just recovered from a muscle injury. Bravo. In the seventh minute, Kayust attempted to clear the ball after a corner, but he kicked Baez instead and the penalty was awarded. What a nightmare start for the new arrival to have a penalty given away in the seventh minute. Excuse my voice, guys. I'm a little bit croaky. Hopefully it sounds sexy and not the way I think it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Harui converted the penalty, sending Meret the wrong way. This, of course, pissed Napoli off, and in the 24th minute, Politano took the initiative after Napoli regrouped. He scored with a powerful left-footed shot from a rebound off of Giacomo Raspadori's effort. Tarati could have done better on this one, in my opinion. I think so, too. I think so, too. Shortly after, Raspadori found the back of the net after a really cool maneuver, but the goal was ruled out for offside. I'm a really big fan of these long and swinging crosses at the far post. Kind of what we saw Pulisic play to um, Reinders. Yes, sir. It was the exact same move at the same was Victor Oziman, who's definitely going to get to it. He's got limbs for days. Yeah. He put his leg where most people wouldn't even put <laughs> their face. And he <laughs> flicked it back to Raspadori, who scored. But of course, it was offside. It would have been a great assist. Guess who was offside in the maneuver? Um, shit, who was it, man? It was Cayust. <laughs> <laughs> Or Cajuste, excuse me. Or Cajus. Or Cajus, or Caju. <laughs> yeah, Napoli dominated after equalizing, to be honest. Um, in the 42nd minute, Victor Ozyman started. He scored a blistering first-time shot over Tarati after a strong run and pass by Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Moscow, as usual, Victor Ozyman means goals. In the 56th minute, Frosinone's Jamie Baez came close with a long-range free kick that smashed the woodwork. And in the 79th minute, it was all over for them as Ozyman secured his brace by beating the offside trap and calmly finishing one-on-one. The simplicity of this goal was amazing. You can see Rahmani playing a vertical pass to Di Lorenzo, who flicked on another um, vertical pass to Ozyman, who found himself one-on-one and finished calmly. This had three touches for one goal, from defense to attack. It was crazy. One pass, defense to midfield. One pass, midfield to attack. One shot, goal. Yeah, and and the same um, assister and the same goal scorer in both goals. Giovanni Di Lorenzo bagging two assists for Victor Osimhen, bagging two goals from what those assists. What a leader. So the first thing I'm going to talk about, bro, over here is how Frosinone are clearly not afraid to play. In Serie B, they were the type of team that would dominate most games and dictate the tempo of each game. And it looks like in Serie they're going to try to do exactly that the problem with doing that is that in Serie other teams are much better and Frosinone on paper are probably the worst team in the league so what do you think of this tactic so I can't hate on a team that obviously goes out there and showcases great confidence and brings the game to their opponents um I do think that a plan B should be in place for mm. when actually they do get that goal or they do get that that cushion um I was impressed by the fluidity of Rosinone. Um, I really was, and I wasn't expecting that. Um, I heard other reviews calling this team very slow. I I heard them saying that they they, they can't defend, but to me, Rosinone, this was a good debut for them this season. 
getting that 1-0 um, against Napoli early on is not easy. Um, and I think after that, and up until Napoli scored in the 24th, Frozenone were still attacking, especially down that left, down that left flank um, where Caso mm-hmm. was. Um, I feel like Caso and Harui were doing a brilliant job down that left together. Um, and I think they were causing some problems for Napoli early on, man. They were definitely linking up well, bro. Um, if you look at the statistics over here, bar the shots, because that's where Frosinone struggled in reality to penetrate the defense. When it came to everything else, they were pretty much almost on par. They had 48% ball possession. The pass success rate was the same, same dribbles, few, slightly fewer aerials won. Um, Napoli, of course, had more tackles um, and Frosinone were dispossessed more times as a result of that. But yeah, a, a pretty good debut for Frosinone in Serie A this season. Um, they didn't look terrible. I thought Napoli might blow them out of the water over here. Um, but they actually gave them a shock start and had to snap them out of it. Yeah, they, they did, man. And, and look, we mustn't forget that despite us both having Frosinone very low down the table, they are the champions of Serie A. Now, obviously, this this is a, a tough case study to take. Um, their first match of the season facing the champions. Um, so it's impossible to say, look, they, they did well, so we think this, or they lost the game, so we think that. I think they showed great potential in this match. Um, they had a good showing and they seemed to play the way they wanted to play yes. against Napoli, which <clears throat> takes a lot of cajones. So Definitely. if they take these cajones against some lesser teams to Napoli then they could have some success. Yes. Simple as that. Yes, the question is, should they even bother trying against these teams? Yeah. But anyway, um, let's compare and contrast Rudy Garcia's system with Spalletti's system, right? Sure. So they both play a 4-3-3, but they're quite different. If you look at Spalletti's system, it's more fluid. Um, it's more... Um, it's less direct, right? Mm. They play a lot of um, horizontal passes. Um, on the other hand, when it comes to Rudy Garcia's system, lots of vertical passes, counter-attacking football, inverted wingers are very important and they give space for the fullbacks to bomb forward. We saw mm-hmm. Di Lorenzo's importance over here. He was super this game, yeah. often linking up with the midfield and playing balls forward. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's mainly the, the difference <laughs> I noticed. That's, that um, Rudy Garcia doesn't mind conceding a little bit more possession than Spalletti did. Yeah, and, and I think it will, d- despite, because a lot of people just look at a 4-3-3 and a 4-3-3 and say, hey, there's not going to be an adaptation mm-hmm. period over here. But the reality is that they're two completely different managers and the style of play is actually quite different. We didn't see. Now, obviously, Napoli missed some key pieces in, in Anguissa and Kvaratskelia that, that added a lot of, that do add a lot of fluidity to this team. So... It's hard to say how different Rudy Garcia's system is from Spalletti in this match because two players are totally different. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think that, that Rudy Garcia does sit back a little bit more and allow his opponents to have the ball a little bit more. Yeah. I think that Spalletti used to go out there and dominate possession and attack, 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 attack with high pressure up the field. It was nice to see the Napoli team defending and changing shape and transitioning um, off the ball. And yeah, I, I I don't know yet if they have Im- improved or, or gotten worse, but yeah. we'll wait and see. For me, Napoli's best signings were keeping Viktor Oziman and keeping Zelensky. Of course, there was a 140 million euro offer from Al-Hilal for Oziman that was rejected by Napoli um, as he looks to renew his contract with a 150 million release clause, mm-hmm. apparently. 
while Zelensky rejected a 35 million euro move to Al Ahli as no. well. So keeping those two was amazing. They played incredibly in the first game, and we expect nothing, nothing yeah. less of them. You know, I think the Laurentis should be thanking Mrs. Zelensky yes. for that. Yes, she had a big part to play. I want to live in Italy. <laughs> But to, to me, if I were the Laurentis now, I know I might say something a little bit absurd, but I would even think about not letting Victor Osimhen go for 200 million because he is literally, I mean, you look at him and the second the ball is in and around his area, around the area, he's dangerous. Like that. We said that Turati could have done better in the first goal. Which he could have because the shot was quite central, right? But it was a powerful, direct strike by Victor yeah. Osimhen. No, that was the the first goal. Was oh, uh, sorry, Politano. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Well, well to, to be honest, the um, Osimhen's first goal that made yes. it a 2-1 was quite central it also. It was a really awkward angle. Yeah. And he fucking smashed Yeah, man. Bro. Yeah, and, and, and shades of that Sassuolo game last season where he caught Consigli off guard as, as well. Um, Victor Osimhen in the final third is just... Absolutely different unplayable animal, Different animal Best in the league Honestly man I think you put Ozzyman on City And he'll look better than Haaland And fucking You know You might call me crazy For thinking that You might Call me reactionary But it's it's mm. not Ozzyman is An incredible athlete mm-hmm. The type of worker That doesn't give up Doesn't slow down yeah. Doesn't stop fighting He's got an eye for a goal He's fucking hungry You know, I think he is up there with the top three best strikers in the world. I right agree. Now. Top three best strikers in the world, absolutely. I think it's him him and Haaland are the top two. Yes. I think Haaland yeah. number one and Ossiman in number two. Yeah. Simple as. Kajusta, of course, bro, we spoke about him a little bit. He was too eager. Of course, he gave away a penalty. He was in an offside position. Nervous, he got a yellow, got a yellow card for a reckless tackle. Then he was subbed off. However, his quality is clear. Mm-hmm. And Garcia is very happy that his boy can play in all the midfield positions. Yeah, I mean... Kajust, brother, Kajuste, your first mistake is out of the way. Yes. Fear nothing now. Yes, look at Luis Maximiliano. <laughs> I mean, not a great case study to take. Maybe Sandro Tonali is a good case study yeah. to take. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that is it. No need to look at the table for now. Frosinone 1, Napoli 3. Yes, sir. And the second game we're going to be covering is Bologna 0, Milan 2. Now... Coming into this game, Milan hadn't lost 26 of their last 27 matches against Bologna and Serie A, winning 19 and drawing 7. Milan are also now unbeaten in each of their last 18 away matches against Bologna and Serie A, winning 13 and drawing 5. The Rossoneri entered the season with 9 new signings and started 3 of them in this match with a change of tactics to 4-3-3 from the 4-2-3-1. However, Musa, one of the new signings, was suspended due to a ban carried over from Valencia and Ben Nasser is carrying a rather long-term injury, leaving them both out of the squad. Thiago Motta had to do without Musa, Barrow and Adama Sao Mauro in this match, while Ricardo Orsolini was not 100% fit, so he started the game from the bench. This was also Bologna's first match um, since selling Marco Arnautovic to Inter. Now, for the lineups, it was a 4-1-3-2 formation for Bologna. At least we think it was, because Motta <laughs> is Motta. Um, Skorupski in goal on the back four of Liko, Janis, Lukemi, Biukima and Posh. Butchered that one, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, that Biukima. was like, were those all XXX Tentacion? <laughs> <laughs> Bukema. I think Bukema uh, suits him. 
Yeah. Um, in in the register role with Ferguson, Dominguez, and Indoya playing in the middle with Moro and Zergze up front. For Milan, it was a 4-3-3 formation with Mike Magnan in goal and the backline of Calabria, Chao, Tomori, and Teo. It was a new look midfield three of Ruben Loftus, Cheek, Krunic, and Reinders, with Pulisic out on the right, Leao out on the left, and the experienced Olivier Giroud up front. Now, in the opening 19 seconds of the match and of Bologna's Serie A campaign, Liko Giannis carried the ball forward down the left flank and unleashed a long-ranged bullet which rattled the frame of Manian's crossbar. He had Mike beaten and was an absolute electrifying start for Bologna. Jake was sat next to me going, Ah! As soon as that happened. However, Milan slowly grew into the game. They didn't panic. And in spite of that, in the 11th minute, Pulisic's inch-perfect long ball was squared off the line by Reinders and into the path of Giroud, who opened Milan's account for the season. Two new players combining in very impressive fashion, and the veteran and old reliable Olivier Giroud finishes it off. What a move by Milan, what a ball by Pulisic, what a cutback by Reinders, and a good finish by Giroud. Super well-worked goal, what a goal. Absolutely, man. Bologna continued to threaten, however, as Ferguson's volley from just inside the area flashed into the side netting with many Bologna fans thinking it was in. But when Milan went forward, they caused havoc. This time, Pulisic and Giroud exchanged a slick one-two before the American unleashed an accurate long-range strike into the corner with an outstretched Skorupski having no chance of denying him a debut goal. A flying start for Captain America and for Milan. Moments later... And that was Mauro Suma, of course, reacting to the Pulisic goal. I just had to... Unreal, man. Unreal. Moments later, it was the familiar Pulisic-Giroux combination that almost devastated Bologna once more as Pulisic's cross found a sweet left-footed volley by Olivier, but this time Skorupski got there with a one-handed save. In the 60th minute, Zergze and Abisher cut through Milan's defence, but some solid backtracking by Tijani Reinders was enough to cause Abisher to scuff his shot with a comfortable save by Mike Manian. Skorupski took Theo out with a brilliant, hard but timely defensive tackle after Leao's ball was slightly overcooked. Leao gave away a dangerous free kick which was skied by Liko Giannis moments later, and Orsolini had penalty appeals after being taken down by Tomori. Who else? <laughs> In the 89th minute, Leao almost made it three after skillfully dismantling two Bologna defenders before hitting the far post with a low strike. Very unlucky from the Portuguese, who had quite a tough time adapting to this match. Now, it was either one of these Leao off days, or it was the fact that in this 4-3-3, he does seem like he's playing slightly closer to goal, man. He did have a, a bit of a rough one, but mostly because he was... Trying the audacious more often than not, right? Yeah. Um, trying to stand one, out, exactly. maybe. Perhaps he was trying to stand out to show everyone, like, look, I'm the main guy over here. Um, but it's good to see that Leao, during one of his more frustrating games, was still extremely deadly and still got very close to scoring. At one point, he was, I think he had beaten the goalkeeper and the defender's hand stopped mm. it from going in the, the sliding defender I'm pretty sure the ball rolled oh, over yeah. his hand oh yeah I mean yeah but it, yeah. it didn't really change any the direction the, completely the direction it's true but all. 
But he got so close to scoring yeah. on a frustrating day at the office. Not to mention he gave me a bloody heart attack at the end of the game oh, yeah. when he kicked the ball up into the air after the final whistle and, whistle and pulled up um, with cramps. Fucking Pulisic went down in the opening five minutes <laughs> and we both stood up. I went, it's done! It's done! It's done! It's it happened. happened! It happened! But thankfully not because Pulisic was absolutely... So I want to cover Milan a little bit and then we can go into Bologna because yeah. I genuinely think Mia had a great performance here. Don't think Bologna were fucking bad either, man. Yeah. I think it was two great teams that went up against each other. But Pulisic looked like Milan's star player in this game. He grabbed a spectacular goal and got the pre-assist assist with a beautiful ball to Reinders. His dribbling was absolutely on point throughout the entire game. And he looked incredibly direct whenever he was in possession of the ball. What did you make of Pulisic's debut, man? He was amazing, uh, much better than I thought he would be um, during preseason. He didn't look this good, um, but he was motivated. He worked hard. He was selfless, and I, I was very impressed. Mm. Yeah. Um, the most, one of the most impressive performers for me was Giroud. Yeah. Giroud, surrounded by quality players, looks like a, a different player. You get the most out of him. This is what you need. You know, this is what Salamakers, Junior, Messias, Brahim Diaz struggled to understand yeah. the type of, of flick-ons and how Giroud wants to play it. With Pulisic and Loftus Cheek, Reinders, these guys seem to understand this um, play style. More. And, and I was gonna say there's there's a clear familiarity between at least Pulisic and Giroud, who yeah. combined twice in great fashion um, it seems like Giroud knows where Pulisic is going and Pulisic knows what's coming after he plays the ball to Giroud I think Giroud looked excellent in combining with his new and old teammates I feel like they were playing off him very well um, he linked up play with his back towards goal when he was kind of dropping back in the build-up providing these flick-ons and quick transitions mm -hmm. and I think he looked so comfortable and to me he looks like the ideal starting number nine yeah. for Milan. Still early days. Mm -hmm. Naturally, there's the. it was the first match, so he was hungry. Um, Pulisic had a great match and probably made Giroud look quite good as well over there. There's still a lot of time to go. Um, but Giroud did look very, very comfortable with his teammates. Look, if, if you had to play Giroud once every two weeks, once every three weeks, you would get an incredible striker. The problem is when you start burning him to the ground, playing him twice a week, playing him more often than not, right? Uh, Milan have recently been linked to Taremi again, and I really hope that happens because stylistically he's quite similar and he's very good at build-up. He's a 20-goal-a-season striker, granted it's with Porto, but very good numbers regardless. You can only score where you're playing. Yeah. Um, and I think he would be a fantastic addition um, thanks to that non-EU spot that opened up because of the new English rule. Yeah. Love this week. Absolutely. I think Taremi would be a very similar kind of striker to Giroud in that sense that, like, Okafor is very different, like we spoke about earlier. He's a more explosive, quick kind of player. Um, so it's good to get that familiarity. Um, the team would know how to play with Taremi before he's even arrived. Um, but that's enough about Pulisic. It's enough about Giroud. Let's talk Tijani, baby. Let's talk about Tijani Reinders. 100% pass accuracy, 28 completed passes. And they weren't always safe, but rather quite offensive. Um, he covered the most ground in this match and he looked energetic as fuck for 90 minutes. It's no wonder he played 50 matches for AZ last season. <laughs> Super. I, I can't I can't put it into words how, how pleased I am with how this guy is just coming and adapted. I didn't think it would be the case at all coming in from AZ. I thought the jump would be too big, but this guy once again looks so motivated and he looks 
the most ready out of out of all yeah. the new arrivals, even in preseason, everything. Like from what I've seen, he's the most impressive so far. Oh man, he, he looked very very comfortable. He looked like yeah. he was at home. I think Ruben looked very good as well. Um, I think Tijani had a lot more um, liberty in going forward, which allowed him to link up with his new teammates very well. Oh man, I just want to see more of this guy. Yes. I want to see more of Pulisic and I want to see more of Reinders and I want to see more of Loftus-Streak. I think they all had a, an excellent display. We also saw Chukwueze and Okafor feature, but at a point where Milan didn't see much of the ball, at that point, I feel Milan took their foot off the gas and didn't risk getting any unnecessary injuries. Mm. I think it was a very fluid performance by Milan as well. The only point of criticism I would have is that Calabria and Teo seem to lack options when building from the back flanks. Ah, yes, that's a, a good observation. Um, and sometimes I felt like they were a little bit too casual with possession, yeah. particularly um, when passing between the, the centre back and I think Kronich. There were two instances where Kronich was dispossessed because of... Um, Passes that shouldn't have been played yeah. to begin with. At a point, Tomori went down on the left and he too struggled yeah. to find find a, a pass. And he was dispossessed and they almost scored. It's when yeah. Leao gave away that dangerous free Tomori kick. recently disabled comments on Instagram. He's been getting a bit of abuse. Um, I don't think it's fair personally. Um, but you always need someone to single yeah. out, right? right? Even after a dream start like this, the fans will always find someone to pick on. Fick, uh, you're an animal, baby. You're an animal. Keep it up, big dick Fick. No. <laughs> Um, sometimes it's frustrating to watch Milan when they have the lead um, or when they're getting trashed because some players can just become lone wolves, no lone rangers, solo riders. Yeah, yeah. You look at Theo Hernandez, for example, sometimes. Again, when Theo clocks 30 kilometers an hour, he goes blind. Yes, yes, there's, yes. There's nothing yes, he yes, sees. Yes. Like, but he's allowed. He's allowed. He's allowed. The thing, yes, because Theo's the allowed to do that. I enjoyed him for most of the game. Of course, Theo, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was super street smart, very mature performance. But it comes to the point where it's like the 70th minute and he starts charging and he has clear options to pass down. He keeps going. I can't help but feel pissed off. Same goes with Leo, right? Yeah, and, and, and I think like he goes down a little bit easy. The referee knows that he went down because of the speed he was moving at or because he's simulating. And sometimes it's super frustrating when he just loses the ball like that and all of a sudden there's a gaping mm -hmm. hole down the, the, the left back road. Um, I did enjoy how lenient the referee was, by the way. Oh, yeah, man, he, he, let, he let play flow. Uh, there was a penalty shout at a, at a point that I think, in hindsight, for Bologna, the one of Tomori, I think it could have been given. I think a lot of referees would have given it. Um, but yeah, very lenient referee, and at least he was consistent in his decisions. Yes. Now, Bologna, yes. it's not like Milan were facing a team that were not up to the task. Bologna looked very organized. They were fluid and they pressed Milan very well when the Rossoneri tried to build the ball back from, uh, tried to build the ball, my God, tried to build play up from the back. Amazing. Um, in fact, Milan weren't doing much of that, but Milan were rather dispossessing and attacking there. They tried to build the, the ball up from the back, but more often than not, Zergzei um, was pressing to oblivion and so were the midfielders and I feel like they gave Milan a really tough time particularly before Milan found that first goal yeah dude, totally um, particularly from this um, Bologna side I was impressed with um, Indoya Absolutely. the new arrival I thought he was super um, Beukema looks very good um, but Giroud made his life a living hell by just releasing the second he got the ball yep, yep, <laughs> he, yep. couldn't, he couldn't mark him he couldn't no. tackle him um, I think Zergze is a player with great potential, great potential, but he just doesn't have the confidence to shoot when he should shoot. 
He yep. will always try to clear the defender every time. Even yep. if he has time before, he'll wait for the defender to come, try to clear him, and then shoot afterwards. It doesn't make much sense. A player with a huge ceiling, he is only 22 years old, so hopefully he will improve his decision-making because he can become a top footballer. He scored a crazy goal in preseason as well. Yeah, I, I think this season he'll, he'll get more minutes with Arnautovic out unless Bologna make a last Hail Mary signing. Um, and should Orsolini repeat last year's form, they can form quite a dangerous partnership. And if Ndoye, um, because Ndoye looked dangerous throughout the entire game and he was drifting left, mm. drifting right. And wherever he was drifting, he was giving Calabria a tough time, he was giving Teo a tough time. If we see him play out on the left um, with Orsolini out on the right and Zergze up front with Ferguson behind them, Zergze has no excuse yeah. not to score. And I think he he should be a bit more selfish because mm-hmm. he's a very selfless player and he's always looking for that pass man yes it's an issue of confidence with him for me um, another player who stood out when you look at the great chances created by Bologna this game mm-hmm. um, Posh was at the end of both of them oh yeah um, one clear header and uh, I forgot I forgot the other one but I remember noticing that was Posh as well um, a great Goal scoring right back if you are a fantasy football player Posh should be yeah. on your team yeah yeah <laughs> And Moro shouldn't yes. because he barely touches the ball. <laughs> he barely touches the ball, and 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 he's annoying. Like he frustrates me, and not the way he plays or anything, or not the way he dives and stays on the ground. He does all of that, but Moro just bugs me, man. Yeah. I can't. Can you explain it? I can't. It's, he bugs me. It's something in the way he breaks his face when he complains to the referee. You know the way he, he his face kind of yeah. You know you know what I mean. But Turns into a like like it's it's the. The the dimples that he gets yeah. and the, the the complaining nature yeah, of him, yeah, like yeah, just yeah. ah, the, the movement of the mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's a bit that's, of a baby. That's more of for you, exactly. And that was Bologna nil, Milan two for you. Yes, without ACs working in the Bologna stadium. Exactly. Yep, forgot to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> so purely had to give his fucking team talk on the sideline. That's hilarious. It's fucking mad. But anyway, moving on to the other side of Milan, we have Inter 2, Monza 0. Inter have finally managed to beat Monza, who along with Juventus were the only team that Inter failed to win a single match against last season, where they came 2-2 and lost 1-0 at the San Siro Stadium, thanks to a Caldirola goal. Considering the top five European leagues, no newly promoted team collected more points than Monza last season. 52 points for them, the same as Fulham. Amongst the teams that have debuted in Serie A in the era of the three points for a win, since 1995 basically, only Kievo in 2001-2002 with 54 points have done better in their first Whoa. division, first season in the division. So very good start by Monza, of course, over there. Inter have won their opening Serie A game for the fifth season in a row, last enjoying such a run between 1993 and 1997. So it's five opening game victories yeah. in a row. <clears throat> now... Let's get into the starting 11. For Simone and Zaghi, it was the usual 3-5-2. It's been the same Inter for a while now, no? Yep. We have Sommer in goal for his debut. Bastoni, De Vrij and Darmian at the back with Di Marco out on the left and Dumfries on the right. Midfield three of Mkhitaryan, Chalanoglu and Barella with new boy Thuram up front alongside Lautaro Martinez. <coughs> For Monza, it was a 3-5-2 formation as well with Di Gregorio on goal, D'Ambrosio, Mari and Caldirola at the back with Churi out on the right, Kyriakopoulos out on the left, Pessina, Gagliardini and Colpani in the middle. Of course, Gagliardini playing against his former team over here. Caprari and Maric played up front. 
Who the hell is Maric, you might be asking. Well, Maric has been owned by Monza since 2020 and has played 22 games for them and scored two goals. He was out on loan at Crotone where he played 36 games and scored 11 goals. However, this game, he didn't really get much of um, a feel yeah. for the ball at all. Yeah. But anyway, yes, let's get into also, the Also, yeah? sorry, sorry to jump in, but a crazy amount of X's over here. D'Ambrosio, um, Gagliardini, two former Inter players. Di Gregorio. Di Gregorio facing their former team. Um, there was naturally Frattesi for Inter. Um, there's Carlos Augusto Ooh. for Inter as True. well. A fantastic amount of X's. X on the beach, baby. X on the beach. Inter got the ball rolling in the eighth minute. A clever first touch chip by Barella broke Dumfries free from Gagliardini and Pessina down the right. Dumfries squared it to Lautaro, who broke free from the three Monza centre-backs. Caldirola was um, particularly isolated over here before Lautaro smashed it into the back of the net. 1-0, their captain starting and leading the charge. A lot of breaking free, huh, Freddie Mercury? One, two. <laughs> now, Monza had the opportunity to score after Summer spilled a Churia cross right in front of him. Kiyakopoulos teed up his shot and attempted to smack it in only for it to be blocked by a flying Hakan Chalanoglu. Hakan Chalanoglu also flew into the referee shortly after knocking him to the ground. He was just flying all over the place, yeah. Chalanoglu. Um, there's also interest from Saudi, by the way, for Chalanoglu. Ooh, he'd like that. He would. In the Fucking seven- money hungry. Joking, joking. Neutral. In the 76th minute, just nine minutes after coming on, Arnautovic received the ball on the left. He did a few step-overs and knocked the ball forward before delivering a perfect low-driven cross, um, a cross-goal and perfectly into the path of Lautaro Martinez, who once again slides in and guides the ball into the back of the net. Arnie celebrated passionately by fisting the air as Lautaro ran to him and embraced him. And that was pretty much... Quite a comfortable 2-0 victory for Inter, as Monza didn't really trouble them that much. No, it didn't seem like um, they were playing the, the Monza that Milan faced in pre-season. That seemed like a, a much tougher Monza to play against. I think it was a bit of an off day for them, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Now, naturally, Inter got off to quite a quick start, getting a goal in the 8th, which would have impacted Monza quite a bit. But it's also worth noting that Monza have lost, for example, Carlos Augusto, who was a key factor for them in the past. So they could be a slightly weaker side to the side that they were last season. Yes, Kyriakopoulos is okay, but he's no Carlos Augusto. Carlos Augusto is fantastic. I'm not going to blame their loss entirely on the loss of their left back, but I do think that that they were set back after Inter's opener. Yes, because they're losing an offensive tool and a defensive tool as well. Um, the first goal came from Carlos Augusto's side and Barella managed to clear b- both players who were meant to be covering that position with a simple chip, by the way. Yeah. Barella was fucking world-class at sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He's no, so good. He, he was excellent. I think yeah. Inter's midfield was very, very dominant in this game. Um, I, I think they had Monza's number all day. I think the only... Performance that I was impressed by by Monza was the debut of Gagliardini. Gagliardini was good. He he looked comfortable. He looked oh, very comfortable. Maybe this is what he needed to get his career back on track. A new environment, right? And a mm. key role. I don't know if it's because he was um, playing against Inter, an ex-team. Could be also. Uh, who, he was 
motivated to play well, but we'll we'll see if he continues to play well throughout the entirety yeah. of the season. I was impressed as always by Di Marco, <laughs> who is the other option instead of Carlos Augusto. They play the same position, which is such a shame because they both yeah. deserve to be started. Yeah. Um, Di Marco was highly involved as always. He worked hard and found himself in good positions to shoot. He was inaccurate this game. But once he shakes off the rust, he'll probably have an even better season than the last one. Oh, yeah, man. And he got pretty close at a point as well. His shot flashed just wide of yeah. the Gregorius yeah. far post as well. From the new signings, we, we saw that Thuram can drive. Yep. He can carry the ball for long stretches. Um, however, he doesn't strike me as a player who's a target man or a reference point. I think that will be Lautaro and he will be more like a support striker, Thuram. Yeah, that, that, that's what I think. And that's where I think Inter might lose a bit of what they had in the past few seasons. I think Lautaro is strongest when he's playing alongside a target man. Yes, yes, I agree. You could tell when Arnautovic came on, for example, that that worked in, a, in an instant. Mm. It, it worked. He instantly found his name on the score sheet, both the strikers combining. Um, I think it will take a lot of work for Teram and Martinez to learn to play together, especially when Inter play out wide quite a lot. It is important to have that target man, but... Still a lot of time. Toram can find his feet. He's still young as well, so he has seasons to showcase mm-hmm. what he has mm-hmm. in his pocket. And to be honest, it's exciting to have him in the league. Yes. If Arnautovic can stay healthy, um, he'll be very, very useful for Inter, particularly in Serie A, because he is, not only is he capable of playing the number nine role, the target man, he's very intelligent out of the box and play can play brilliantly in the link-up play as well. For sure, man. Yes. Um, Bissek was the... One new winter signing who I wasn't too sure about. He came on and got twisted by Churia, who was one of the positives as well for Monza. Yeah. Um, of course, didn't really have much time. He came on um, in a moment where Monza were really trying to score. Came on in the 84th minute. He got spun and that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Young yeah. guy as well, yeah. 22 years old, Bissek. So again, a lot of time to prove himself. Yes, Fratesi didn't get much time either. He came on quite late. Carlos Augusto look, looked quite sharp and comfortable when he came yep. on eventually. And Sommer didn't really have much to do. Um, either Kyriakopoulos came in from Bologna um, mm-hmm. and played pretty pretty well yeah he had, he had a decent showing I mean again it, it, it's tough to judge any of these Monza players after after a loss where Inter were so comfortable beating yes. them um, I think the team was off and therefore it's hard to point out any players mm-hmm. but I do think Kyriakopoulos looked decent down that left and he has a decent amount yeah. of experience playing that role so definitely Monza had two shots on target through Gagliardini and Dani Mota of Inter's 22 shots three were on target this overall was a cautious game yeah 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 no absolutely and I think after they they got that opening goal they took their foot off the gas a little bit played the ball around um, and then naturally they found their opportunity later on yes Inter proved that they have depth Inter proved that they have quality Inter proved that they're capable of getting three points. It's Inter 2, Monzanil. Yes, sir. The next game we're going to be covering is Udinese nil, Juventus 3. What an impressive play it was for the debut of the Bianconeri this season. Now, coming into this match, Juventus hadn't lost in 14 of their last 15 matches against Udinese in Serie A, where they won 12 and drew 2. Juventus have won their last seven season openers, while Sudanese have now lost their last three, including last season, where after that they had quite a miraculous start. Juve had Moiskin and De Chilio out injured and Leonardo Bonucci frozen out pending a transfer, whilst Pogba was on the bench but did not feature after he was injured throughout their US tour. Udinese missed quite a few guys in Delaferro, Pafundi, Ebosse, Ezibwe and Mazina, 
with Samarjic on the bench after his move to Inter sensationally collapsed this week. <laughs> As for the lineups, um, it was a 3-5-2 formation for Udinese with Silvestri in goal and the back line of Cabasele, Bijol and Newen Perez. Kamar out on the left and Ebosele out on the right with a midfield three of Sandy Lovric, Wallace and Zarraga with Tubvan and Beto up front. You, the, you're giggling. These guys are the new Cremonese, bro. Bro, their, their team looks nothing like it did oh last God, year. They, they've weakened. The, they've the loss weakened. of Pereira as well. Wow, yeah. they, they, they look they, like a much weakened they've side. They've got to keep some odds if- yeah, and in fact, I have a point about that because when Samarzic came on, he was the only player that looked yeah. good for Udinese. Um, what's his name? Sotil said he can't wait for the transfer season to close because it's been a, it's been a pain in his, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we swear on this podcast. Yes, but that. that's what, that's a direct quote. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> for Juve, it was also a three-five-two formation. Welcome to Serie A. Chesney in goal, a backline of Danilo, Bremer, and Sandro. New signing, Wea out on the right, and the returnee from loan, Cambiaso, out on the left. Midfield three of Miretti, Locatelli and Rabio, with Chiesa and Vlaovic, both fit and both starting. In the second minute, well, it only took two minutes for Udinese to teach the rest of the 18 teams what happens when you give the ball away in a dangerous area against Juventus. As Vlaovic won the ball and played it to Chiesa, the Italian slotted the ball into the bottom corner in classic Chiesa fashion from just outside the area, leaving Silvestri rooted to the spot. The celebrations were very passionate. This team has a chip on their shoulder. Definitely. In the 19th minute, Alexandra's attempted cross was stopped inside the box by the trailing hand behind Festi Ebosele's back, a bit harsh. Um, because his hands were behind his back in trying to avoid the contact, but the contact was there nonetheless, so penalty awarded. Dusan Vlaovic stepped up and slotted it into the bottom corner cleanly, sending Silvestri the wrong way. The front two, once again, are fit and firing. In the 48th minute, in additional time of the first half, Chiesa did well to sprint past his man and backheel the ball to Cambiaso, who delivered a great cross to Rabiot, who headed in, with Silvestri coming out to collect, but missing the ball entirely, making the Frenchman's job much easier. In the second half, Juve took their foot off the gas and Udinese were granted a tough attempt at getting forward successfully against Juventus to absolutely no avail. The only chances seemed to come when Samarzic entered the pitch and tried a long-range effort as well as provided a wonderful cross to Sandy Lovric, who headed just wide. Well, actually, significantly wide. <laughs> Towards the end of the match, Chesney pulled off a solid double save off a Perez header and a Lucca follow-up. Absolute domination, Juventus killed the game within the first 45 minutes. And after that, in classic Juve fashion, they let Udinese play their game. They brought men back. Yes. Very smart play by, by Juventus and very effective play by them, man. And they did both perfectly. It's a tale of two halves. In the first half, Juventus blitzed Udinese. They blew them yeah. out of the water. And you see that first goal. It came so early on in the second minute. And you see Chiesa running towards the curve. And you see him like screaming. And, yeah. and he's showing the number one on his finger. Like one. Like that's my yeah. first one. <laughs> like that's my fucking first one. And Vlaovic is running behind him. And spectators over there said that Vlaovic was telling him, don't stop. Like that, that, that's it. They were, they were fired up. Dude. They wanted to win. And then in the second half, contrast to the blitzkrieg of a first half, zero shots. Yeah, on target. Yeah, zero shots on target. But by even one shot off target. By choice. By choice. By of choice. Course. Let them have it. No problem. Yeah. We've done our job. And have man, oh man, just give me a Chiesa injury-free season in this game. 
We saw shades of a zero 2020 in this performance. He can be pivotal for Juve, who haven't had a star man in their side since the Italian tore his ACL at the Olimpico in 2022. And before that, it was Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's good to see them have that player that could really turn things around for them. Yes. That have, star player, man. We have many redemption seasons for players this year. We saw Bellotti at Roma, Chiesa at Juve. You know, these guys haven't been fully fit in a while. And Chiesa yeah. said, like, it's time to go, Bellotti as well. It's time to get yeah. firing. It's time to show Vlaovic the world what they're capable well. of doing. Vlaovic too, yeah. Cambiaso had a great season opener after returning from loan and actually staying at the club. I feel Bro, like he looked so good. He linked up well with Chiesa in the offensive mm. third. He covered ground, tracking back well, and even got himself a great assist to Rabio following a great move by Chiesa. Ah, a very clean performance by him. Um, Wea had a decent display too, showing that the two wing backs are very fitting for this 3-5-2 system. Yeah, it's very exciting. They've got a lot of pace out mm-hmm. wide. Um, Cambiaso, we've highlighted him on the podcast before at Bologna, very promising talent out on the out on the left he um he might be able to displace Kostic now because this begs the question Kostic who had a brilliant season as mm. a winger and as a wing back last year and was one of Juve's top players I believe you had him as your top after six mm-hmm. months I think now when it was rumored that clubs like Forest and Wolfsburg are keen for his signature and that you were willing to listen. I thought it was BS straight up. Mm. I thought it was bullshit. But the fact that Cambiasso started this game might be telling. Yes, yes, yes. These are very telling signs. It, it doesn't confirm anything no, because everything no. can fall through and they'll just start playing Kostic again. But even seeing, for example, Salernitana with Dia on the bench. Yeah. Why the hell would Salernitana have yeah. Dia on the bench? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're trying to maybe protect him, to cash him in. Maybe, you know? Exactly. You never know. Exactly. Now, before I conclude the Juve side of things... Um, it wouldn't be a Juve performance if Allegri didn't have some criticism. Now, it was hard to point out any criticism after this performance, but Allegri managed. His victim was Kenan Yildiz, who played <laughs> nine minutes of football for Juventus in the match after the Turkish under-21 international replaced Dusan Vlahovic in the 85th minute. There are high hopes for the Germany-born Bayern Munich youth product following his performances for Juve's Primavera squad last season, following his transfer to the Bianconeri in 2022. After the game, Allegri criticized the youngster and the odd criticism has made headlines. He's got to get his hair cut tomorrow because he touched his hair about a hundred times. Aside from that, he is a lad with a lot of quality. Yildiz did not seem to be, did not need to be told twice and showed on social media that he had been to the hairdresser for a trim and he got one of those kind of crew cuts and, and, and left the top a bit longer. Um, it's not the first time Allegri has complained about the hairstyles of his young players as he had, a simil- as he had similar advice for Matthias Sule last season as well. But, but just a hilarious um, uh, conversation between the two, a hilarious interaction rather. Him actually getting his haircut the day later made it obvious that Allegri wasn't joking about yeah. it. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell he was annoyed. Um, he should go for the hairstyle Allegri had when he was his age. The, yeah. the mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cool look. Yeah, that. It's yeah. dying out though for <laughs> some reason. I think Juve looked great in this game and very fluid. Yes. Nothing no, nothing new to add to what we've already said. I think when it comes to Udinese, um, they looked flat. Mm-hmm. They looked error prone. And they were struggling with moving the ball with any fluidity and creativity. It was far from their best performance. 
Could this be another inconsistent season for them? Or rather, will it be a much weaker season where they'll have a bit of Hellas Verona syndrome? Uh, could be, bro. Um, I think they're much worse than they were last season. Mm-hmm. Last season, they started They started out with a bang, remember? Mm-hmm. They were incredible. They, had, yeah. they were blowing big teams out of the water. Um, it might be a completely opposite season where they grow into it, mm. you know? Um, but... The way they look at the moment, they look deflated. Their transfer market wasn't really inspiring. I don't know much about the players on on their team. Like no. to be honest, I'm looking over here and I'm like, are these different Pokemon evolution? <laughs> like Kebosel, did he evolve from Ebosel? Like, like what's going on over here? You know, Zaraga sounds like a legend card yeah. on, on on FIFA. So there's Kamara with a K on the left, but then there's a Kamara with a C on the bench. <laughs> There's Ake, and the next to him on the bench, there's Aban Kwan. Like, who the hell are these people? Dude? Bro, I have no idea. I have no idea. I am a bit concerned for Deneza. I know it's only the opening game. They lost the opening game of last season against Milan, where Bekao inevitably scored. Um, I believe it was a, a 4-2 or a yeah. 3-1. I believe it was a 4-2. Um, but yeah, I did not like the way Deneza looked at all. And yeah, that, that's kind of the end of the rundown for me. In Wachukwu is also on the bench. <laughs> Jesus. But yes, um, that concludes it, right? Yep. So that was Udinese nil Juve 3. Now we're going to move on to Roma 2, Salernitana 2. Salernitana second ever draw to Roma. Roma have recorded six wins against Salernitana, two draws and one defeat in Serie A. Salernitana had never drawn in their first Serie A game of the season prior to this. After winning against Lazio in 1947, they suffered three defeats, including two against Roma, in 1998 and in 2022. For the first time in 18 years, Roma legend the 1982 World Cup winner Bruno Conti was in the Roma dugout. <laughs> now you're wondering why the hell is a figure, an icon, mm. on the, in the Roma dugout? Well, that's because, of course, Mourinho was serving yet another band and his assistant, Salvatore Fuati, followed suit by insulting yeah. the referee. So he was also bad. So they had no coach for this. For this. So he has brought in a legend to coach. The- yeah. So you're saying Jose Mario dos Santos Mourinho Felix was suspended from last season? Jesus, his name. I, I never knew his Can name. Can you repeat that? that? Jose Mario dos Santos Mourinho Felix. Holy shit. Also, Sousa is Paolo Manuel Carvalho de Sousa. Damn, these are some fertile names over here. <laughs> No, <laughs> so lineups. Of course, you're going to notice a lack of Matic, who betrayed Mourinho, apparently, and joined Oran. Um, Mourinho was very delighted by the replacements. He said, I'm happy that they didn't bring some guys off the street as they brought in Renato Sanchez and Paredes, who are two well-known names. Dybala was also suspended. Tammy was injured. Um, there are links to Greenwood and Duvan Zapata, of course, still um, yeah, let's yeah. go into the 11s. Controversial. Controversial. Roma lined up with a 3-1-4-2 formation with Rui Patricio on goal, Lorente Smalling and Mancini at the back with Cristante playing in the pocket. Spinazzola was out on the left, new boy Christensen was out on the right, while new boy Awar was in the middle along with the fan favourite Bove. Yes. El Sharawi and Bellotti were the striking partnership for this one. You see how versatile El Sharawi is, man. Yeah, you can put him left anywhere. Left wing back, left winger, striker. There we go. What a player. <laughs> now, Olchoa was in goal for Salernitana in their 3-4-2-1 formation with Lovato, Gionber and Fazio as the three centre-back trees. Um, Matsoki was out on the right. Brotheric was out on the left with Koulibaly and Julie Maggiore in the middle. Castanos and Kandrev were playing behind the bottom. 
who shouldn't be a striker. No, 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 no. Um, Dia was on the bench. Um, Stewart was on the bench. And they've just brought in a new striker. Um, I can't quite remember his name right now. But um, Was it Stewart Big? <laughs> wow. Thanks. But yeah, um, Dia on the bench fueling transfer speculation. In the sixth minute, Brian Cristante whipped in a sensational ball to Andrea Bellotti, who controlled the ball with his right and volleyed past Ochoa with his left and celebrated wildly before the goal was ruled out for offside by a toe. If his if he was a shoe size smaller, he would have he would have scored that. Literally, he would have counted. Literally, El Gallo. Only ten minutes later, Andrea Bellotti scored by comfortably beating Fazio to a high ball and easily rounding Norbert Gyomber before placing the ball into the back of the net under Ochoa. Too easy and terrible defending by the Salernitana veteran defenders over here. Fazio looked like he couldn't be bothered to enter the 50-50 with Gallo. Yep. And Gyomber just looked so disappointed by what Fazio had just done that he didn't bother yeah. attacking yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> no, the polar opposite end of the spectrum, Bellotti, was just on it, man. Rabbit dog. Game. Rabbit dog, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Rabbit rooster. 476 days since Bellotti's last league goal. Man, he didn't done. score a single goal in the league last season. Man, done, man. Shortly after, Mancini failed to score off a rebound after an Ochoa save after a corner from right in front of goal. He was very unlucky. He didn't really have much time to think about it. The ball kind of came to him. He moved his leg instinctively and skied it. In the 36th minute, Antonio Kandreva began his... Um, how am I going to put this diplomatically? <laughs> his abuse. Let's say that. <laughs> Antonio Kandreva began his abuse. Okay, He scored a... Stunning strike. He beat Chris Smalling and fired it into the roof of the net. Now, Antonio Kandreva isn't the type of player to beat you by dribbling you nowadays, especially. And Chris Smalling is the type of player who isn't going to get dribbled. But he did it somehow, yes. Antonio Kandreva managed to get around him and to rifle the ball into the roof of the net. On the 49th minute, this was our goal of the week, of course. Brotherich crossed the ball to Kandreva. Kandreva faked a first-time shot onto his left. And with his weaker foot, curled it in magnificently past Rui Patricio, giving Salernitana the lead. Crazy, crazy scenes. Now, this yes. is where I get confused, bro. Because let's say you're Sousa over here. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're the manager of Salernitana. You have a 2-1 lead and it's the 66th minute. What kind of substitution do you make? If, like, if you want to bring on Dia, your mm. best striker, who are you going to take out? I mean, in this case, I would take out Botheim. Yes, right? You take out an offensive player. Yeah. He took out Mazzocchi. He took out Mazzocchi. Yes. He took out Mazzocchi, which is weird, what? and brought in Dia. A tactical change. A weird change. tactical change mm. where you bring out a defender and bring on a striker. Of course, Roma piled the pressure, right? 76 minutes, sure we snapshot hit the post after Renato Sanchez set him up. Roma were pushing hard for an equalizer, and in the 81st minute, they got it as Andrea Bellotti completely unmarked in the area rises to a header and heads it home from a Leonardo Paredes corner, mm-hmm. equalizing for Roma. Despite the continued efforts, Roma failed to find a winning goal and Bellotti had a good chance at the end to get that done as well. Yeah. Could have easily had a hat-trick today. Yes, yes, and even, like, he literally had a hat-trick, but one of them was disallowed, yeah. you know? So this season, bro, is it the Roosters' return, the revenge of the rooster, the gonads of El Gallo, <laughs> what, what are we going to call it? Is it comeback season? What is it? <laughs> I, I I think we're quick to forget just how good this guy actually is yeah. because he had, you know, he's, he struggled with injuries a lot towards the latter stages of his career at Torino. 
And then last season, he failed to hit the ground running at Roma, didn't even score a single goal and had his opportunities to yes. do so. Um, but you, you know how things are with footballers. Sometimes it's a mental thing. Sometimes it's a fitness thing. I think the fact that he bagged two and even three, because one of them was offside, um, in his first match in a game where Roma struggled, yes. where they, they drew to Salernitana and, and Belotti was the focal point of that that will fuel him with confidence. And confidence with his technique and with his industry can be a very, very dangerous thing. He can be very much a hustling striker that Mourinho is after. And the type of player a manager would love. Um, A leader, a hard worker, um, just a a key figure in the locker room as well. Um, We forget that towards the later stages of his career at um, Torino, he was also setting up goals. Like, yeah, from midfield, playing long balls, releasing players one-on-one. Of course, the, man. He was... The, Torino, there was a season where they just escaped relegation. I was going to say revelation, mother. Where they just escaped relegation. And he was it for them. Yeah. He was everything for them. He was everywhere. He was like Diego Forlan yes. in that uh, 2010 World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> now, look at this, dude. Um, Salernitana didn't deserve to be in this game at all if you look mm. at the xg if you look at the way they played if you look at the chances created drama we're actually all over them yeah. right um it's all thanks to the timeless Candreva. season after season after season be it at lazio be it at inter be it at sampdoria be it at salernitana he does it year after year wildly underrated in this game to put things into perspective roma had an xg of 1.9 right yeah salernitana had an xg of 0.14 my God. Point 14 and Kandreva scored two. Well, it was two goals out of nothing, Out man. of nothing. Out Dude, of nothing. He earned this point for Salernitana himself. This was Kandreva's point. Yeah. Uh, age is like fine wine, this guy. Yes, Like man. fine wine. I believe that his technique, technique, not his physicality, his pace and whatever, with him becoming a slower player, his technique has improved. Yes, you know, I, I agree. I thought he, he used to come across as quite clumsy back in the yeah, day. Exactly, Nowadays, not, exactly, not quite, no? Yeah, exactly. He was more of like a, yeah. a physical, okay, he, he was always technical. Yeah, he had a you know power I mean? to his game. Exactly. True. But, and, and up and down and up and down. That's right, man. I remember him at Inter very, very clearly. <laughs> Good in the air as well. Fucking face at the yeah, San man. Zero, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's I was living in Scotland at yeah. that time. I did that. It depressed me. Yeah, um, but now it's like he's he's matured with his age and he's really kind of, he's playing to his strengths and he's playing to his age. Yes, totally. Roma's midfield seems to have improved as well. Six players capable of starting. You've got Sanchez, Paredes, Bove, Awar, Cristante and Pellegrini. For me, Awar was super impressive out of the lot. Yep. He was the main focal point for the link-up play. Nothing too flashy, nothing too crazy, but a very tidy player. And I think he'll be great for Roma going forward. I think Awar was great. I think Brian Cristante was even better. Oh, yeah. I think Brian Cristante was excellent. A lot of people think of him as a CDM slash center back that's just tall and strong and he, he's um, rough and reckless. But his passing in this game, certain passes that he gave those four, was the, yeah. the, the initial goal of, of Belotti. Mamma mia! Didn't, didn't think he had it in. Mamma mia, what a ball. Didn't think Cristante looked brilliant in this yes, game. Very good. He was... <laughs> Another fan, a coach's favorite. Yeah. Salernitana, of course, I have a note over here about their lapses in concentration and defense, but I think it might be even deeper than that. Their defenders are on the older side. I'm not a big fan of Fazio, particularly no. Gyombers, okay. Um, yeah, I think they needed to reinvest their defense. 
I think so too, what you see in their defense is a lot of Serie A experience which is a plus for them, but what you also see is that they're not great. Yeah, um, Fazio is, is past it, I think Yomber is decent, but yeah. he needs to have some decent defenders around him for him to live up to his potential, and I feel like I've been waiting for Lovato to step up for a long, long time now, yeah, still 23 years old, but step up it's like waiting I mean? it's like waiting for your dog to come back from the farm you know yeah <laughs> or or to lose to come back to, for lose. Us to find to remember lose to lose to lose is our childhood cat guys she ran away yeah found out she didn't run away like four years ago man yeah she died yeah <laughs> <laughs> so christensen bro was roma's new fullback coming in from leeds he lost possession nine times out of the 27 touches that he had and completed 72 percent of his passes he didn't make any massive mistakes but it was quite a bad start to be honest um it's a good thing that his his um, alternatives are Karsdorp and Schellick, who aren't really Mourinho's favorite players in the world, but they'll be licking their lips looking at this performance, as there still might be hope for them. Yeah, we've seen Zalewski play at right back as well last season a couple of times, and and I always yeah. liked him. I always liked Zalewski. Um, not to say Christensen's a bad player, he's finding his feet over there, but Mourinho's typically very impatient with his players, and I feel like Zalewski, in the long run, might be an important player for Roma. I always liked him at right back. Yeah, and your girlfriend likes him too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best looking Italian player. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's Polish. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Look, who's that one with the baby face that had an interview while sat on the floor? Sat on the floor <laughs> without, without any shoes on. Yeah, <laughs> She has a foot fetish. Yeah, clearly. Um, yes, so that was Roma 2, Salernitana 2. What, 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 what's that? Lecce 2, Lazio 1. Let's fucking go. The biggest upset of the first match day of the season. Lecce are one of only two teams, along with Torino, against which Lazio failed to win a match in the last Serie A season, losing 2-1 away from home and drawing 2-2 in the reverse fixture at the Olimpico. Lecce are now unbeaten against Lazio in their last four matches with three victories and one row. One draw. Why did I say one row, man? One draw. Before this match, Lazio had won their last four opening matches of say of the Serie A seasons, um, which was a record streak for the Bianco Celesti, but now that's gone. Maurizio Sarri stuck with his old guard to start the new season, starting with just one new signing in Daichi Kamada, replacing the now Al-Hilal player Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Meanwhile, new Lecce coach Roberto D'Aversa had Antonio Gallo struggling with an ankle injury following their Coppa Italia match last week and therefore he started off the bench. When it comes to the lineups, it was a 4-3-3 formation for Lecce, Falcone in goal with a backline of Dorgu, Baschirotto, Pongracic and Jean Dre, a midfield three of Gonzalez, Ramadani and Rafia, and a front three of Banda, Streffezza and Almqvist, Streffezza starting in a false nine role at his mighty five foot three. A 4-3-3 formation is what Sarri opted for. What? Yes, it was Provedel in goal and a back four of Lazzari, Patrick, Romagnoli and Marusic. They started new boy Kamada in the midfield alongside Cataldi and Luis Alberto, with Anderson out on the right, Zaccani out on the left, and Chiro and Mobile starting up front. What's that? First game of the season for Lazio and Immobile scores? Yes. 
The Lazio legend opens his and Lazio's account for the new season, sliding in after a brilliant vertical ball with the outstep of Luis Alberto's right boot. He actually tied Luis Muriel's record over here between 2015 and 2021 when it comes to match day one goals in a row, season after season. I didn't know Muriel. Like I was aware that that's why I said... Ah, what a mobile scoring on the first match, but Muriel really... This is particularly surprising to me because Luis Muriel has never been known to be a phenomenal athlete, you know what I mean? Like, his physical condition has never been fantastic, so you'd think match day one after pre-season, he'd still be out of it. Like, notice Ah. we discussed Monza without even mentioning Petania. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Probably because he's like four kilos over yeah. right from the yeah. from the summer, right? Literally. And it, I would have thought it's the same thing with Muriel, but then Muriel had that touch, that technique that I forgot that was just brilliant. But nice to see Immobile tying his record over there. For sure, man. It well, he deserves it because he's always in peak condition unless he's injured. In the 43rd minute, Immobile played a great pass to Lazzari, who had the opportunity to square to Zaccagni, but the Italian went for goal and was denied by Falcone. Really should have passed the ball there. In the 53rd minute, Immobile played an identical brilliant pass, this time to Philip Anderson, whose finish flashed wide, should have scored, and could have even squared it. Lazio, Lazio, Lazio. What are you doing? In the 81st minute, some clever play by Lazio ended in Immobile's close-range strike being saved onto the crossbar by the foot of Falcone. An absolutely spectacular save. We will see. More, we will be seeing more of these saves um, by Falcone throughout the season because he is a great goalkeeper. And Lecce concede a lot of shots, so yeah. we will be seeing that combination quite a bit. Combination, combination. 85th minute goal, Lecce. Almqvist. The Swedish winger started and ended this attack by scoring, naturally. He cut inside and played a lovely crossfield pass to Gallo, who had just come on. Um, he held the ball well and returned the ball to Almqvist, who controlled the ball just outside the area and half-volleyed it into the bottom corner. The showcase of skill was not enough for the Swede, as he was also keen on showing Serie A viewers his unique backflip, which you could see in this episode artwork. And if you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube because it's a spectacular celebration. What an introduction. It goes into a golf swing. He does a weird flipping and golf swings. You have the fans. A mix of Obafebi Martins and Craig Bellamy over here. It's beautiful. (laughs) One minute later, as the momentum favoured Lecce, Gallo once again got forward to whip in a cross which was miscontrolled by the son of Eusebio Di Francesco, Federico Di Francesco. But through some fortune and shitty defending by Lazio, the Italian managed to readjust himself and have a swing at goal, with the ball finding itself in the bottom corner. He sues in celebration as the Dalmare erupts in ecstasy, and Lecce get a shock victory in the first match of the season against last year's second-place team. We both have Lecce to get relegated this season. We might, They might still get relegated, but we see teams that typically get relegated, really struggling to find their first victory. Lecce out here getting their first victory <laughs> against Lazio in a matter of two minutes. Title man. contender. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy. Um, I was impressed by Lecce. I thought that um, Pongracic did a great job partnering up with Bascarotta at the back. Um, I thought that the midfield worked well and I was particularly impressed with the front three. So dynamic and fluid. I wonder if it was because no one really knew how, what they could do or what they yeah. were capable of. I suspect that as... 
the more games they play mm. in the league, the more managers are going to have a case study and the more they're going to be able to find them out, right? Yeah. Um, you look at Bandas, Refetsa, Angvist. It's great. They were so dynamic, it's so great. fluid, and, and it's completely different without Cisse or Colombo. They were like switching positions, laying it off each other, playing super well. Absolutely, man. And, and what you see over here is a Banda that in this match he played better than he did in any game of last season because Banda barely featured last season. Yeah, but he had flashes. Huh? He had he flashes. He showed that he can he can get his ass shaking and drop a yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But but this this match in particular, I, I believe he had a very strong performance over mm-hmm. here. Um, I think that Ankvist on the other side. Is an animal. Yeah, I think he's very good. It's not just the goal. It's not just the backflip. Um, the Danish league. Yeah, unknown, right? I believe he plays oh, in Sweden. For he's a while. he's barely known in, yeah. in Sweden and in Denmark. Barely known. I know because it was Matthias and Alan that were discussing yeah. him on the group chat. Some serious ball knowledge between those two. Um, it's such a pleasure to have oh, them yeah. as our as our patrons. Um, but yeah, a, a fairly unknown player. Um, also Dorgu. At left back, Ooh, so um, athletic, very very athletic. He was in replacing um, Gallo because of Gallo's injury. Um, he too is not well known. He's an 18 year old from Denmark. Um, Ankvist is a 24 year old from Sweden, and apparently they're they're both not very well known um, mm. uh, in their in those respective leagues. But I was saying um, Ankvist on the right, Banda on the left. Strefetsa in the middle, really holding back and orchestrating where that attack is going to go, was brilliant. Because you see the midfield three of Gonzalez, Ramadani, and Rafia, that I don't know because it was against Lazio or this is the way Lecture are going to line up. They were all quite conservative. They mm-hmm. stayed back quite a bit. And Strefetsa was really dropping deep. And you could see Banda and Almgvist, um just calling for the ball and, and looking for the ball and, and, and running in. Um, at Lazio's defense, yeah, just terrorizing them. Yeah, and I feel like that's not even what Lecce did well. I think Lecce, what they did well was remaining within a goal for the majority of this match through tactical discipline, a deep defensive line, and efficient selective pressing. They weren't just sitting back to oblivion or pressing to oblivion. That balance was very mature. It was there. They've been there, they've done it, they did a great job in Serie A last year. So let's not forget that when we're so quick to judge them. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Gallo yes. because we um, we praised we praised Dorgu who started ahead of him because of his injury. But Gallo came on and he was involved with both goals very directly. Yes, yes, yes. He, was, he was brilliant. Lazio, what about them, G? So, wasteful. Mm-hmm. First of all, second of all, they didn't, they didn't play badly. Um, I thought they ticked, um, particularly in the first half. Before lecture, they completely dominated the second half. By the way, yeah. um, I think that if you look at the substitutions that lecture made early in the second half, um, they yeah okay. So Lazio started off with Kamada, right? Yeah. And I thought he was kind of lost, to be honest. Match, mm-hmm. match they won, match fair they enough, won, yeah. you lost. Like Then they brought on Isaacson, mm-hmm. who doesn't really give you many guarantees. You know, he's a new guy again. And Matthias Vecino came in instead of Felipe Anderson. Those were lots of substitutions. Then there was a triple whammy by um, Lecce. They brought in guys that they know what they're going to do. They yeah. brought in Blin, Gallo and Kaba. Kaba's yep. the only new one over there. And I feel like Lecce beat them through familiarity. 
And mm. I feel like Lecce, as you mentioned perfectly, they were patient, they waited for their moment, and they got it. And the second they scored, Lazio were so shell-shocked that they managed to score again. You look at the amount of times the ball bounced in front of Patrick and Roman without, oh, without them clearing it, man, oh, allowing man. Di Francesco to, to What fire the fuck home. was that? They had the best defense in the league yes, last they year. They were shell-shocked. Yeah. They didn't expect that goal. They didn't expect it at all. They are probably still getting yelled at by Provedel. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And and it bit them in the ass. It's yeah, yeah. It's a shame to, to see Lazio losing after you know you, you think okay maybe this year they can actually take a step up. Maybe losing Sergei Milinkovic Savic doesn't mean that all hope is lost for them. But then at the same time, there's nothing I love more than watching a minnow team beating a top seven team. Completely, man. And 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 Lazio being on three points after facing Lazio on their first match is massive. Um, I feel like Lecce knew that Lazio would be shell shock, which is why yeah. they attacked and just whipped that <laughs> ball in the way yeah. the way that they did. Like, um, good to see Di Francesco getting on the score sheet. Um, yeah, but brilliant win by Lecce. Disappointing start for Lazio. They struggled. Um, they they were wasteful with the few opportunities that were created. A bit of selfishness um, mm. no players really stood out but I think Chiro did a good job carrying the ball forward from midfield and playing the wingers in and Luis um, Alberto as involved as ever yeah Luis Alberto the only thing really making the team tick mm. in this match it's still early and I'm sure we'll get to see Sarri ball in full flow soon um, especially once the void of Sergei is filled in through more game time for Kamada but for now Lazio zero points following their opening match against Lecce Sassuolo nil Atalanta 2. Coming into this game, Sassuolo had won both Serie A matches against Atalanta at the Mape Stadium under Alessio Dionisi. Before that, they had won only one of their first eight home games against Atalanta in Serie A with three draws and four losses. In the five campaigns when Sassuolo started the Serie A season at home, they have never lost with three draws and two wins so far. While Atalanta are the team with the most defeats in the first match of the season in Serie A with 27. They have now won each of their last six opening matches in the top flight, so they're getting over yeah. that curse. So let's take a look at the lineups. For Sassuolo, it was Consigli in goal in their 4-2-3-1 formation with Vinia out on the left arriving from Roma. Um, he was on loan at Bournemouth last season. Yep. Tolian was out on the right with Viti and Ehrlich at the back. Ehrlich. Why do I say Ehrlich? I don't know, man. Ehrlich. Yeah. Yeah. Maxime Lopez and Enrique formed the midfield double pivot while the extremely talented Lauriente was out on the left. The not-so-talented Defrel (laughs) was out on the right. Bayrami was playing behind Pinamonti. For Atalanta, it was Musso in goal with Jim City, Scalvini and Kolasinac. At the back, Kolasinac, you'll recognize him from his Arsenal days. Or, or, Kolasinac. Kolasinac. There we go. Some might even say There we go. Idiot again. <laughs> Zappa Costa was out on the right. Ruggeri was out on the left with Pasalic, Coop Miners and Darun in the middle with Duvan, Zapata and Lukman playing up front. You mean Coop Miners? Coop Miners. Um, Zapata, heavily linked to Roma. Gasperini doesn't give a fuck. He'll start the anyway. you think You think Gasperini reads the news like... Doesn't Gasperini care. doesn't give a fuck, bro. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. Um, the Sassuolo centre-back, Viti, is on loan from Nice, and this was his debut for Sassuolo. Mm. They've got an option to buy on him. Um, no Berardi for Sassuolo, as he's trying to force a move to Juventus. Yep. But Sassuolo are like, ah, you waited too long, you're not going to get him now. <laughs> and they're still negotiating and they're trying. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. He didn't there. even feature Berardi. No, 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 he didn't feature at all. At all. 
You see, he he's trying to force his way out. This wow. wasn't a tactical decision, wow. or it wasn't a decision by the club to not play him. He decided not to play. You know what? It'll be exciting to see him elsewhere. Yes, I must say. And if he goes to Juventus, <laughs> they're winning the Jesus league. Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> they play once a week. Juve, Juve play once a week. Yep. Can you imagine with that depth? But anyway, play by play in the first four minutes, Lauriente, who scored versus Atalanta last season, forced Musso into a good save, and Coop Miners had his shot cleared off the line by Ehrlich. This was the first four minutes. Crazy start. It was Maxime Lopez's turn to clear the ball off the line in the 44th minute as it was going to be an own goal and he headed it off the line. Uh-huh. 20 seconds into the second half, Lorienta rattled the frame of the goal with a long-range dipping strike and in the 48th minute it started. Ruggeri played a perfect pass to Charles de Catelare who was right in front of goal but headed it to the ground. This moment could have been seen as a warm-up as the pair connected in a similar fashion for the first goal. In the 63rd minute, CDK struck the crossbar after Skamaka slipped in the ball past three players. Skamaka was literally surrounded by bodies over here and he still managed to get the ball through to CDK who first timed it into the crossbar. And you can see Skamaka clearly pissed off saying like I would have nailed that. Mm. Um, The 83rd minute, CDK eventually got his goal. Um, it was a powerful header that broke the deadlock after Ruggeri's cross. The header looked to have been saved by Gonsili, but the ball had indeed crossed the line. And there was confusion. Had the ball gone in, um, no one even noticed. And the Ketelara wasn't even sure. In fact, didn't even celebrate that much. Um, but it seemed like he was cursed prior to this goal. Like everything just goes wrong for this guy. I, I enjoyed watching him score a Same lot. Same here. I it think like a lot of a it, release, no? Yeah, I, I don't even think a lot of it was the uncertainty of whether it had crossed the line or not because technology instantly indicated that it was past mm. the line. I think it was more like, this means nothing. I need to continue to prove yes, myself. Yes, 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 you know what exactly. I mean? And and that is the the, the perfect reaction from Charles who, who looked very involved in this game and hopefully we could see more of that, man. Yeah, hopefully. Um, in the 92nd minute, Adopo, the new boy from Roma, played the ball to Zortea, the player who has joined, who we've we've seen him at Sassuolo and Salernitana before. Zortea. Yes. Um, he smacked it into the bottom corner from a distance. This is a goal Delex. In fact, he took it easy with the celebrations. He put his yeah. arms up. Um, and yeah, a classic goal Delex. So yeah. Talking points, bro. Atalanta are absolutely incredible. Their striker, their starters immediately settle in, right? Mm-hmm. You see, Kolasinac looks like he's been playing there for ages, right? Skamaka should have got an assist. Zortea had a long-range goal after three seasons out on loan at Cremonese, Salernitana and Sassuolo. Adopo arriving from Torino never really looked impressive over there, got an assist. CDK didn't score a single goal last season. He scored in his first game for them. Crazy the way this club. Yeah, operates. it must be a, a joy playing for this team, but because it's you, you follow instructions, you follow the system. You're surrounded by very knowledgeable players. You're surrounded by players like the home Cope Miners, Pasalic, um, Scalvini, who's yeah, literally a, as Italian. intelligent as 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 one of those. Um, so a lot of people to learn from. A, a very experienced manager in Giampiero Gasperini, who's been at the team for a decade. <laughs> So he knows what he wants from these guys and these guys know what he wants from them. Exactly. And to be honest, Sassuolo, bro, they did play to Atalanta's level. They had 49% ball possession. They had more passes and the same pass succession rate. The difference was the quality and the rate of chances. Atalanta had five shots on target to Sassuolo's three, but um, 
you know, they were of a different yeah. level. And Atalanta can really pile the pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it was a decent defensive display by Sassuolo. Mm-hmm. I think where they've always really struggled defensively, this was a bit of a, a, a breath of fresh air. There are some new faces at the back as well. Um, so Dionisi might have listened to us and, and invested yes, in, in, finally, that, in that part. Um, and, and I mean, Atalanta opened the scoring in the 83rd. They took yes. their time. They, they yes. were struggling. Yes, it was a cagey affair prior to that. Um, one of the best performers, one of the man of the match for me, Coop Miners. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw a poster in the Atalanta stands, Robocoop. And it was him. Oh, my God. Robocop. <laughs> but uh, epic. It's true. It, it describes him perfectly because the guy is um, almost bionic the way yeah. he plays. The things he sees, the the way he operates, the, he's so good, so how, good cyborg like. How, how long till he scores his inevitable hat trick this season? Match day seven. Match day seven. Match okay. day seven. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that is pretty much it for this game. So Swallow nil Atalanta two. The next game we're going to be covering is Genoa 1, Fiorentina 4. It was the Conference League and Coppa Italia runners-up versus the Serie B runners-up. The Grifone were back in Serie A after winning promotion under coach Alberto Gilardino. Genoa signed Matteo Retegui, um, Junior Messias and Ruslan Malinowski, among others. But only Retegui started this match as Messias got himself injured in Milan's preseason and Malinowski was still in the process of signing. Kevin Strutman and Stefano Savelli sat out the bands. La Viola had Christian Kwame suspended, Antonin Barak and Gaetano Castrovilli injured, plus new signing Lucas Beltran on the bench, but gave a surprise debut to Italy under-19 talent Michael Cayode. Amrabat was an unused substitute following links away from the club. It was a 3-5-2 formation for Genoa with Martinez in goal and the backline of Dragosin, Bani and Beraski. Uh, it was Martin on the left and Hefty on the right with a midfield three of Thorsby, Badell and Friendrup, with Goodmanson starting alongside new boy Retegui up front. It was a 4-2-3-1 formation for Fiorentina with Terracciano in goal and the backline of Coyote, Milenkovic, Ranieri and Biragi. Arthur and Mandragora were in the double pivot with Nico Gonzalez out on the right, Brecola out on the left and Jack Bonaventura playing behind new boy in Zola. It only took four minutes for Fiorentina to open the scoring following Inzola's pass to the wide area. Biragi took the ball to the inside following a touch past Biraski, then Bani, before smashing the ball into the top near corner. Good luck Genoa and good luck Parisi. <laughs> Biragi enjoyed that. He even waddled away in celebration in Conor McGregor fashion. He did the... The the Billy Strut is, is what, that they, what call they call it. it. Yeah, the billionaire. I call strut. it the wanker. <laughs> I mean, Biragi is a wanker. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. But but Biragi scores big dick goals and celebrates with a big dick. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, brother. He just has a fucking huge dick, man. <laughs> in the in in other news, in other news, Biragi's colossal cock. In the 11th minute, Bonaventura made it two. Gonzalez's long-range strike was pushed onto the post by Martinez and into the path of Bonaventura, who slotted in on the rebound three days before his 34th birthday. Happy birthday, birthday boy. Happy birthday, birthday boy. In the 23rd minute, Badel's shot on the bounce skimmed just wide of Terracciano's far post. It was a close call, one of the few for Genoa. 
In the 39th minute set-piece specialist Biragi did not disappoint from the corner as he pinged it perfectly to the head of Nico Gonzalez in the center of the box who headed into the bottom corner. The new number 10 delivers. In the 55th minute, um, Mandragora got his name on the score sheet, uh, but it was all Bonaventura. Uh, the veteran Italian playmaker fainted a shot and chipped the ball in perfectly to Mandragora from a central area who guided his header past Martinez. What a ball by Bonaventura and not to take anything away from Mandragora because it was a composed header from the Genoa youth product. What a brilliant assist that was. Gorgeous, man. Amazing, gorgeous, gorgeous, man. gorgeous. The, vision. The swagger, the finesse. Oof, wow, man. And the fact that it was literally in the swing of a fake shot and then he just looks away and chips it through perfectly. Peach. Go look at it, guys. Three minutes later, it was Biraski who brought one back for Genoa, making it 4-1. The defender composed himself well in front of goal as he controlled the ball well. Took, a, took it a touch past Biragi and finished cleanly past Terracciano. The assist came from Frendrup, who headed the ball into the box from outside the area. Now, great display by Fiorentina. Um, I thought they looked fluid. I thought they looked comfortable. I thought they looked dynamic. Arthur and Mandragora seemed to play well together, but I'd be very... Keen to see what they can do against a bigger side, playing in that double pivot. Um, I don't think Genoa showed up at all for this game. I think the season started too soon for Genoa. I think they would have liked to have Malinowski and Messias over there. Yeah, and um, Fiorentina were just too ready. Um, they're a team that have been growing. They're a team who have made smart signings to replace the important players that have been offloaded. They're a team with Vincenzo Italiano, one of the hottest Italian managers in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw the opportunity to blow a new coming team with a yep. new coming manager out of the water. Yeah, and I think for so Genoa, the area they struggle in is defensively. What's the area that Fiorentina excel in? Yeah, the offense. offense. So it, it, it was a match made in hell. It was a, a, a match-up from Satan for their first for, for their opening Serie A fixture of the season. I can't be too critical of them because, again, they're finding their feet. Um, I still think that Fiorentina showed very good signs, despite the fact that Genoa were weaker opponents. I think... So Biragi, Bonaventura and Nico were each involved in two goals. That's a great sign. Mm-hmm. That's a great sign. They each had fantastic performances and those are three big boys for them. I thought, like I said earlier, Arthur and Bandragora seemed to fare well in controlling the tempo of the game. Um, I was very impressed by Kayode, the right mm-hmm. back yeah. who showcased pace, strength, intelligence technique and attitude at the tender age of 19 at the tender age of 19 he's a great prospect and from what it seems a great asset to the starting 11 and not just a prospect yes a good cover for dodo yeah and i also thought that Linzola's physicality up top was an asset to fiorentina in this game and his competition belt run has still got a lot of time to prove himself yes. so some healthy competition not to mention jovic not to mention jovic yes. but i really like them with a big boy up front I really like them with a big boy up front. I feel like in Zola, that, that, that physicality, because think about it, their team isn't like, all right, they're all motherfuckers, the Fiorentina players. They, they are motherfuckers. No, Nico Gonzalez, uh, Biragi, players like that. They're just 
the Milenkovic sons of yeah. bitches to play yeah. against. Like I think the uh, I think Roma take the cake for that. Yes, yes, I've, absolutely. Sure. But but Fiorentina have, have, right. have a few of those players. Um, in Zola and then isn't a motherfucker, but he's a big strong guy up yeah. front. You know what I mean? And they don't have much of that. The only two kind of big players they have are Milenkovic and Inzola. So it adds a bit of an aerial threat for them, despite the fact that Nico Gonzalez is quite an aerial threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think much like Milan utilized Giroud last season in their 4-2-3-1 and even in the title winning season, I think they might use Inzola in a very similar manner to yes, that. Yes, w- with more mobility, of course. Oh, um, absolutely. And Inzola is very capable of holding up play and even turning and charging. So we- we've seen that with Spezia and I'm sure Italiano can do wonders with this guy. For sure. And and he's got a brilliant selection of strikers to utilize. Um, in between Inzola, Beltran, Jovic. And then he's got all that versatility out on the wings as well. Um yeah, I think I think this Fiorentina will have a good season. Not because of this performance, but because this performance proved that what we were saying earlier about their very successful transfer market um wasn't bullshit. Yes. yes. Um they, they had a very good summer and i do reckon that they will have a good season but that's yes. pretty much it for this game yeah general on the other hand of course need time to settle and they need their arrivals to come in and settle yeah. as well they will at least have messias and Ruslan malinovsky very yes. soon yes. the last game i will be covering so the penultimate game of the match day is empoli nil verona one and empoli and hellas veronas have drawn each of their pre- previous three Serie A matches this is potentially an early relegation six-pointer over here. Yep. Hellas Verona have never conceded more than one goal against Empoli in Serie A, nine goals in 12 matches. Empoli have never drawn their opening game to a Serie A season, four wins and 11 defeats, including a 1-0 defeat versus Spezia last season. Um, two tough pills to swallow for Empoli, as they have been eliminated from the Coppa Italia after a 2-1 loss to Cittadella, and now they have lost to a relegation rival. Sorry, I hiccuped. <laughs> you vomited. Now, Let's go with the lineups. For Empoli, it was the 4-2-3-1 formation with Caprile in goal, um, formerly with Bari, bought by Napoli and loaned out yes. to Empoli. Oh, God, Cacaccia, he's back, bro. Yes, Libby. Libby. Libby Liberatore Cacaccia. Liberatore Cacaccia was out on the left. Mebuehi um, was out on the right with Luperto and Ismaili at the back for Empoli. Grassi and Marin were the double pivot with Emmanuel Jazzi out on the left, Cancellari on the right. Baldanzi playing behind Caputo. I point out two things. Really cool seeing Empoli play with wingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Jassi and Cancellari and also naturally Cacaccia coming in because of Parisi uh, leaving yeah. to Fiorentina <clears throat> so for Verona Marco Baroni's Verona it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Montepo in goal Coppola, Magnani and Davidovic at the back with Terracciano on the right Doig on the left Duda and Hongla in the middle with Ngonj and Imbula playing behind Folorushno Folorunso. Folorunso. Folorunso, I think. Who the hell like is Folorunso? Folorunso is owned by Napoli and has been out on loan since he joined them in 2019, having never actually debuted for last season's champions. He has been sent out on loan to Bari, Regina, Pordenone, and now Hellas Verona. He had his highest ever goal scoring season last year with Bari in Serie B, scoring eight goals in 27 games. Cancellari arrived at Empoli from Lazio on loan with option to buy for 12 million. Lazio have a buyback clause of 20 million. Um, a player okay. who's usually very good. Um, well, not usually very good. A player who has flashes of 
good moments, to be honest. Mm. I think it can be a useful winger, a kind of Orsolini type mode. Yeah, yeah. You know? In the seventh minute, Kakacha gave a quick throw in to Marin, who took a touch and thundered the ball from outside the area, forcing a fingertip save by Montepo onto the crossbar. Absolutely. Crazy. Marin, Marin, Marin. Yeah. Uh, 41st minute, Grassi controlled a loose ball in midfield and played the ball to Baldanzi, who picked out Jazzy perfectly. Jazzy had plenty of time. The ex Spezia player had so much time to think about it to tee up his shot well, but instead he leaned back. The thing that every coach tells you not to do yep. at the age of five. He leaned back, he shot centrally, and he failed to hit the target from right in front of the keeper. He picked up where he left off at Spezia. Yeah. Terrible miss, poor technique. Yeah. Horrible moment, horrible start to his Empoli career. Manuel That's a miss of the week for yeah. sure. In the 75th minute, Empoli goalkeeper Caprile uh, mishandled a corner and spilled the ball clumsily. The ball fell to Bonazzoli and you can just see everyone go, oh God, <laughs> not, not him. <laughs> because Bonazzoli is not the person that you want to lose the ball to in the box because he springs to life in these yeah. moments. And he sprung to life, he turned, and on the turn, he shot the ball in and scored on his debut as he did his trademark machine gun celebration as he ran off um, to celebrate with the fans. Yep. Oh, great, great passion over there. That's, a, that's an early, very important victory for Veron. And Empoli, once again, losing out in the first match of the season. Last season, they had lost to Spezia. Yes. So here they are. The, once once again, losing out to right. relegation contenders yes, yes, yes. in the first match of the season. Clumsy start, clumsy start completely, getting knocked out of the Coppa Italia, losing the first game to a team that they should be beating, to be honest. Um, it was an action-packed game, at least. It was fun to watch. It featured an attempt from miles out, forcing Montepo into a reflex save. It involved Marin hitting the crossbar, a goalkeeping blunder that led to a debut goal, a trademark Saponara curler that just missed yeah. the target. You remember that? Yeah, we screamed. We, we interrupted. Alan was talking. Yeah. <laughs> <I> went, <laughs> we put it on the big TV yeah. when he when Saponara came on. Yeah, we were dual screening. And Jazzy, of course, squandering a golden opportunity, pure entertainment. Yeah, the, these games give you entertainment. They they don't give you much, you know, technique, much skill, um, so on and so forth. But they're never shy of their efforts. Mm. I was particularly impressed by Davidovic. No one had more touches than him this game, oh, 78 wow. touches. He has played in midfield before in his career, which explains why he's so capable on the ball. His balls over the top to Juric to knock down to Bonazzoli could be super useful this season. Mm. I really like Juric up front. I really like Davidovic at the back. They're, it's a good, it's an easy way of setting something up. Long yeah. ball to Juric, he'll win it in the air and knock down goal. When I watched Milan against Verona at San Siro, last game of yeah. the season, last season, um, Montepo's goal kicks were the easiest thing in the world because mm. simply straight to Juric and that's where Verona were having most yes. of their success. Exactly, just hoofed the ball mm -hmm. to Zlatan from Wish. And I, I think, Zlatan from Wish, I think they have some decent options here on the bench, Verona, this season because, mm. okay, they've got Ngonjimbula and Foloru, follow, 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 follow up front. Yes. Um, and then on the bench, Bonazzoli, Saponara and Juric. Yes. All great players to bring on when they need a goal. And perhaps they could even consider starting with two up top, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually have more depth. They improved a little bit. It was hard to get worse, to be honest, from yeah. last season. 
Um, one more thing I want to talk about, Sampoli had a few good sequences, but they couldn't finish off their moves. I feel like Caputo was isolated for most of the game, mm-hmm. and the runners in behind failed to convert. Yeah. Jazzy in particular. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that was that. Empoli nil, Verona won. I think it's also worth mentioning that Lazovic wasn't in mm, the yes. wasn't in the team, and neither was Faraoni. Yes. Um, Fueling transfer speculation. Yes. The final game we're going to be covering is Torino nil, Cagliari nil. Cagliari now haven't lost in eight of their last nine matches against Torino in Serie A. Coming into this game, Cagliari had won both of their last two away games against Torino. The Granata were missing Dembasek and Gigi, with Nemanja Radonjic and David Zima not at 100% either, but both featuring as substitutes. The Sardinians returned to the top flight after a last gap promotion playoff with the, well against Bari, and coach Claudio Ranieri will be forced to do without Lapadula, Rog, and Mancozu for several months. There was a change of system to three at the back for this game. New signings Shomorodov and Yankto featured off the bench. It was a 3-4-2-1 formation for Torino with Vanya in goal and the backline of Rodriguez, Bongiorno and Schurz. Voivoda out on the left and Raul Bellanova, new signing out on the right with Richie and Illich in the middle. Karamo on the left, Vlasic on the right and Tony Sanabria up top. It was a 3-4-3 formation for Claudio Ranieri's men with Radonovic in goal and uh, centre-back trident of Goldanega, Dossena and Aubert. Zappa out on the right, Atzi out on the left and Makambu and Sulemana playing as the midfield too. Nandes out on the right, Lovumba out on the left and Oristanio up front. In the third minute, Radunovic did extremely well to get down and deny a close-range Sanabria volley following an accurate corner kick. In the 15th minute, Oristanio played a ball down the flank to Nandes, who managed to beat Bongiorno, who lost his footing. Nandes cut the ball inside and attempted a brilliant curling strike into the top corner, but Vanya Milinkovic-Savic produced a breathtaking save, tipping the ball wide. As he fully extended himself. Go watch it, guys. He's such a specimen, this Vanya Milinkovic Savic. That, that save was damn well near impossible. There's not much more Nandes could have done with that strike. He struck it perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, but, to me, maybe Mike Manian might have not saved that. Yeah, it's just I mean, strengths and strengths in different areas. Yeah, super, super save. And to be honest, with two fantastic goalkeeping displays. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Two minutes later, Shores headed just wide after a good corner kick by Richie. He should have done better. He was unmarked, but the ball came at him quite unexpectedly. Albert had a great last-ditch challenge to deny Radonjic, who broke through the defence with his pace after coming on. Pavoletti and Yankto both had chances, but neither got the job done. And in the 91st minute, Radonjic released an insanely powerful strike from distance, but Radonjic did well to put his body behind the ball and using his chest to keep the powerful strike out. I mean, yeah, I was hoping for an SLA Metti, Senior Pavoletti. Yeah, same, same here, but unfortunately, like, like you said, it was two great goalkeeping performances. And I think both teams, well, Torino would have hoped to get off um, with, with a victory. However, Cagliari were set up very well. I feel like Cagliari had a very good and, and mature display over here. Um, like I said, much like Lecce, Cagliari did well to defend effectively and stay in the game, even giving Torino some frights towards the latter stages of the match. 
Yeah, for sure, bro. I was surprised by Cagliari. They had a very thin squad with their injuries, but they, mm. they played up to par. Ranieri's men getting a very valuable point. Of uh-huh. I think Torino seemed to struggle to find any clear-cut shots, and they seemed uncomfortable adapting mm. to Cagliari's setup. Now, Cagliari are quite unorthodox. Mm-hmm. They are quite unorthodox. They're on an orthodox side, and they have Ranieri, who is the tinker man, naturally. They usually play a 4-4-2. I mean, yeah. who the hell plays a 4-4-2 nowadays? So it's quite a rigid formation and um, it can be very tough to break down, particularly when you're a team that um, struggles to score goals like Torino. And, um, you know, Tony Sanabria has been the second option, but they're saving grace for season after season now. And it's just wild that they... Like, okay, it's not because he doesn't deserve a starting role, but it's just how can you settle for someone who's been playing se- second fiddle for so long and not by a competitive striker to compete with him you know what I mean like why is Pellegri the second option for them up front I have I have absolutely no answer for that I, I know for a fact that it's not because of Juric I don't mm-hmm. think it's Juric's decision to have that that set up but the owners yes but I because Cairo, they right? yeah they, they've brought in players they brought in Bellanova they brought in Richie last season yeah what's uh, what's stopping them from from buying striker, a fucking right? striker they lost Bellotti yeah I don't know I don't know it's very interesting, but I feel like this is a very, very difficult case study because in order to predict how their seasons are going to go and, and what the teams look like, because Torino just looked slightly uncomfortable and had no clear-cut chances. Cagliari were set up to stop Torino and to defend and then get them on the counter in that 3-4-3 formation. I think it's tough to tell you guys what we expect out of these. So I don't want to go into too much more information about these sides. We'll wait and see what happens in the next fixtures. On to the question segment, baby. Welcome back to our question segment, guys. Um, Of course, patrons will be getting priority for the questions um, to become a Patreon. A patron, sorry, I keep fucking that up. Um, mm-hmm. The link is in our bio. You can find it on Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Okay. Yeah. So the first question comes from patron Matthias. It's not a question, it's actually a hot take. He says, Lecce is going to be good for the first third of the season. Then the other teams are going to figure them out and they will still get relegated. Kind of similar to what happened to them last season, minus the relegation part. Yeah. They had a very, very strong start. They were very strong from set pieces. Um, and then kind of once people got over that, they got over the Strefezza movement, they got over mm-hmm. the physicality of Baskerota and Umtiti, they kind of got figured out and they were being blown out of the water, not blown out of the water because they barely conceded yeah, yeah. more than two goals in, in any match, but they were losing out quite a bit and we do both have them getting relegated this season. Yes, we do. Um, I think with a greater sample size, people will figure out how to cut the supply. We'll see. Hopefully they can prove us all wrong because they're mm-hmm. a lovely team to watch. Yeah, they're, they're a lovely team and... They managed to do what they did against Lazio, finished in second place last year. So we could very much be wrong over here. Still early days. Our boy Alan. 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 Us top three performers from the new signings. Obviously reactionary and too early, but fun. If you have any good examples for bottom three, it's fun too, but it might be difficult. And I do have top three on bottom three. Okay. I've got top three performers. I've got Pulisic. Uh-huh. I've got Almqvist. Yes. Does Cambiaso count? Well, yes, I guess. Returning from alone. Sure, I'll put Cambiaso. No, I'm going to agree with you in the Pulisic Almqvist, and I'm going to say Tijani Reinders. Reinders? I know it sounds biased, but 
definitely Ryan Day is like yeah they had such a spectacular super, performance 100% pass accurate. succession yeah. the, the most distance covered and then kept on going for the full 90 minutes amazing yeah. bottom three of the match day Caprile Cayuste and Kamada for me CCK. I don't I, I didn't prepare a bottom three extra okay oops it's sorry okay. Alan there we go Alan he's let you down <laughs> okay let's go Kieran wait you know what I'm going to do it right now though okay, because what the hell am I um, I would say Kamada. The, ooh, the Katelari might do the positive ones as well, yeah, but leave it. Kamada didn't have a, a great game. Um, uh, Caprile as well, yeah. I, I agree. Um, and the last one, to be fair, I think you hit the nail on the head because yeah. I, can't, <laughs> I can't not say Cayuste. I can't not say Caprile. Kamada is the one that like can be replaced, yeah, but he yeah. just didn't. He stood out like a sore thumb for Lazio because they play Sarri's system and yeah. they all know each other. And he was the only new boy in the starting eleven. So it has to be those. I agree. Yes. Kieran Brady says, rank each team's goalkeeper in different tiers. S, A, B, C, D and F tiers. Ah, like the, like the TikTok filter thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think since we are quite pressed for time, what we should do is look at the tier, say who we said and not discuss like. Yes, yeah. rapid fire. Yeah. So S, I have one guy in S. Yes, Manian. same, same. Okay. A, I've got Chesney, Provedel, Sommer and Meret. I've got two, Chesney and Sommer. Okay, okay. Sommer, obviously, there's, there's a lot more to see. Okay. B, I've got Terracciano, Vanya, Di Gregorio, Skorupski, Rui, Ochoa and Falcone. All in B. B, I have Meret, Provedel, Skorupski, Vanya and Di Gregorio. C, I've got Cranio, Musso, Radunovic, Montepo and Silvestri. C, I have Patricio, Musso, Terracciano, Ochoa, Falcone and Montepo. I see what you do, Patricio, respect. Um, <laughs> D, I've got Caprile, Torati and Martinez. D, I've got Silvestri, Radunovic and Cranio. Okay, okay, fair enough. I feel like discussing, but hey, we'll have to hey. see it for another day, bro. Um, Dennis. Says Tiani Ranger. Wait, wait, F, bro. I don't have F. You don't have F? I don't have I F. I put Martinez, Torati, and Caprile, the newly promoted okay, ones, which Martinez, obviously there's still Torati a lot to see Caprile, from them. Sure. Um, but my case study is, is limited, so those yes. are mine. I'm particularly, I, I disagree with you with Radunovic. I think Radunovic is quite good. I, I, I would put him at C. Yes, but we saw him in yeah. Serie B last year, so I, I, I didn't want to overestimate. Fair enough, fair enough. Dennis. Says Tiani Reinders will make people forget that Tonali existed. I don't think I, I think quality wise he can, and that's mm. definitely what he means. But we can't forget our fucking little baby boy, you know what I mean? No, Tonali won the league with Milan, right? Uh, yeah, it was a pivotal point. Uh, Sandro, Sandro, well, Merit. Sandro! Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, people won't be forgetting about Tonali anytime soon, no. especially even if it's not for his performance, it's for the fact that he funded this incredible market. Yes. Yes. So, so yes, um, but I do think Reinders will come very good. Yes, I, I think what it means is that, uh, is that Reinders will probably do better for Milan. Yeah. And if he wins the trophies, then yes. Exactly, yes. If, if he goes on to win fucking lots of silver, people will fucking exactly. exactly. He also said CDK 25 combined goals and assists at Atalanta. <laughs> uh, like, are you talking about this season? Um, combined goals and assists? No. No, no not, not 25. Def- definitely not. Yeah, he also says Zaniolo is the most handsome Italian player. You're wrong. Okay, who do you think it is? Italian. Yeah. Just Italian. Yeah. Jorginho. Jorginho. Handsome fuck, like. 
We asked the girls, um, and they told us that they're all clapped, basically. Who said Zalewski? Yeah. Jiru. Fucking hell. Who else they say? They, Giorginio, they mentioned, they mentioned Pellegrini. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think like they typically rave about Barella as well. Tall guy with light eyes. There's Meret as well. Meret is a good-looking guy. guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Saponara is the best for sure. Saponara is the best looking out of the lot, yes. definitely. Okay. I Milan underscore o seven nine three says or asks who will be challenging for the title this season? We had a whole episode ah. last episode. Um, ah, not after Juve, my favorite one, man. Juve, Milan, Inter, Napoli. Fun. Juve, Milan, Napoli. Okay, no Inter. Ah, wait, no. Yeah. Juve, Milan, Napoli sounds right. Juve, Milan, Napoli. Sure. Inter could. Don't yes, get me yes, wrong. Yes, I'm yes. just. But uh, I, I remember they had them in fifth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea says, as an Inter fan, I hate to say this, but it looks like Arnautovic will be a better signing than Thuram. Short term, I agree with I you. I mean, yes, yes. He's, he's, he's probably right in the sense that, like, Zeko was a magnificent signing and you would have never guessed it. I think stylistically, Arnautovic fits more. Turam is a bit more of an investment, got him mm, in on a free, term. and he needs to get used to the system. Exactly. Um, Tom Doran, Inter are cooking with their business right now. That's a sick name, Tom Doran. Tom Doran, right? Tom Doran, Tom Whoa. Doran, Tommy D. Tommy D, baby. Fine, right. In a place to um, be. Inter are cooking with their business. They're, they're moving well. Um, it's a shame that they didn't manage to get the Samardzic deal through for a petty amount mm. of commission, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like they have been a little bit rigid with their negotiations saying that Inter don't participate in auctions for example letting Scamacca go to Atalanta I think that would have been a fantastic sign yes definitely but Inter are at the moment a bunch of brokies yes it, yeah. it, it's literally the case I, I think when it comes to a team that is limited with their funds making it work in the past three Mercati Inter are the team that have done that yeah definitely for agreed sure. So that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. As always, drop us a follow, drop us a DM, comment on the Spotify comment section. That's always fun for us to see. You know, we get a little email that tells us someone has commented on your Spotify and then we get to mm. see it and get to approve it. It's a fun little thing for us. Yeah. Um, drop us a DM. We, we like to talk about football. Talk to that's us about football. Just a couple of dudes. Yeah, you know what I mean? A couple like, of guys, say, yeah. You know. Yeah. And then you might teach us. We, we, we've got some fucking monster brains in the group chat on say the Serie A Spotlight Patreon group chat that are teaching us so much about football. Um, Matthias, Alan, Santi, Tonna, um, Andy, Andy as as well, Teo, all of them, bro, all, even Cesco, um, all the absolute taco, the, the, honestly, all their ball knowledges, Kem, The ball knowledge is Mint good. Off. Mint off as well. Yes, all of them. They're all Jamie. Jamie as well. Uh, wait, what? Jamie's a patron. Jamie Grima, bro. Ah, of course, of course. Yes. Hey, Jamie. Um, <laughs> ah, he'll be joining our Fanta Culture. But yeah. yes, thank you very much, guys. We'll be at the same place at the same time next week. Match day two. Every week is going to be so fun, bro. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you all next week, guys.